Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode, and I'm here with a, a brand new friend of mine, Ben Markham. Ben, thank you so much for uh, just being gracious and being willing to come on uh, the Boca Podcast with us today. You are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, and I had the, the wonderful privilege of, of just connecting with you initially through email. I hope that we get a chance to connect in person at some point, but uh, we're going to delve into a topic which we really haven't covered on the podcast as of yet, and we've put out well over 200 episodes at this point, and, and that is headshots, and more specifically, how to create a, a compelling headshot, a, a headshot that actually grabs somebody's attention and communicates um, something more than just, you know, I, I think about headshots, actually, and, and one of the, the first things that comes to mind, and you probably have seen plenty of these as well, is those kind of cold, lifeless headshots that you see in, um, in a lot of commercial photography and, and even on some of the stock photography websites. Um, and it just doesn't, it doesn't make me feel like I'm connecting with somebody. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And yeah, I've seen a fair amount of just smiling faces with nothing behind them. So I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So we're going to, we're going to, I'm really curious to, to kind of pick your brain about how to go about creating a more compelling headshot. And we'll do that here in just a bit. Uh, but first of all, one of the things that we talk about normally in the podcast is something that we call a technique for time. So much of what the Boca podcast and ultimately Photographer's Edit is about is giving photographers time back. And so I'm curious if there's something that you have found as a photography business owner that has enabled you to do more than just sit in front of a computer or do more than just work. Is there, is there something that you have implemented in your workflow that gives you a little bit more time in your week? Uh, I, I got married and she, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I honestly, I'm, I'm really bad at separating, you know, work time from personal time, partly because I, I'm really passionate about what I do and I love doing it. Yeah. Uh, I've had conversations with people recently where they've asked, you know, so what do you do for fun? And it's like, well, I, I work. That's, that's what I do. So it's, um, I, I have to force myself to get out of the studio and to, to, to do other things. And it's, uh, you know, and trying to reconnect myself to things that I've loved doing that have gone by the wayside since I've gone into business and I've, you know, focused all there. Yeah. So it's, you know, I'm, you know, trying to refocus on my cooking and ah. you know, working in my yard again. And I keep threatening to pick up uh, a guitar again and, you know, to my neighbor's chagrin, that hasn't happened. <laughs> what kind of guitar would you get back into? I would be playing, you know, back many, many moons ago, uh, I played uh, rock and roll with a couple different bands. So it would be starting to play a little bit of rock again, you know, yeah. Once you've been on stage and, you know, had, you know, tens of people making noise for you, it's a, it's, you know, it's a good little, it's a good little high for I can, lack of a better term. Yeah, no, I can, I can only imagine. I, I grew up in the classical music world and I played up into college and um, I, I love that, but I also like a wide variety of music. I, I, people say, Hey, what's your favorite kind of music? I say, I listen to everything from classical music to, to Eminem. 
um, and, and kind of everything in between, including rock. Certainly, I've never had the opportunity to play guitar though. My my youngest brother actually played classical guitar, and I was just enamored, still am, really, when I get to hear him play. Uh, but I've, I've never tapped into rock and and more specifically electric guitar. I think that would be a really interesting skill set to learn. Did you play for like how many years have you played for? Uh, and I haven't played seriously in, you know, 20 years. You know, I've played down a few pickup gigs with uh, some theater friends here and there. Okay. Uh, you know, I, through my high school years, you know, I, I played with a couple different bands, uh, but it's been, that, that was a lifetime ago. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, <laughs> you, you make, you kind of brought up an interesting point earlier in the way that you describe what your business and ultimately your personal life too looks like. And, and that is, or at least what comes to mind for me is that, everyone's life and business does actually look different. And this idea that it has to look a particular way or that we all should have a certain amount of non-business time, if you will, set aside. This is, I think, a little bit short-sighted or or narrow-minded. If if someone is to find incredible amounts of enjoyment through their work and can do so on an ongoing basis without getting burnt out, and it doesn't interfere with, with personal relationships, like more power to them. Um, one of the things that I saw personally in, in my life, my personal life, uh, and and have honestly had to kind of work out on my own with with my family as well as just making sure that my business doesn't interfere with my family. Of course, the last thing that I want is is to constantly tell my friends if they want to hang out, I'm quote busy. You hear that a lot, even photographer to photographer these days. And um, so I, but I love the fact that you actually enjoy what you do. That's not something that everyone can say, and even photographers, sadly. Um, it seems like get burnt out relatively easily these days. So kudos to you for that. And what do you think is behind that? Like, how do you continue to enjoy photography uh, after being involved in it for a while? You know, I, I think in some regards, it's doing a little bit of reinvention and, and play. I mean, it's, mm. you know, I, I know we're talking a lot of, of headshots here. And I really started when, when I started really trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I landed in headshots and loved my headshots. Um, and I, I love working with clients, you know, editing headshots is not fun, you know, it's, but then with some of the portrait work that I'm doing, I get to, you know, scratch the creative itch as well. And so it's, I, I'm getting to play both sides of the fence on that, which is, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that regard. Um, so I, I think that plays into it, but then it's also, and I never knew that, that I would be this person. I love the business side of it. And I, and so trying to figure out new ways to grow the business and expand it, it's a, it's an interesting challenge. And I, well, I just, I like a good challenge. That's a great way to put it. You know, I, I was a wedding photographer for over a decade. And, and one of the reasons that I kind of slipped out of um, shooting weddings was because I didn't, the challenge that I was looking for, the particular type of challenge that I looking, I was looking for was not innate to wedding photography for me personally. Um, I've, I've found a, a certain challenge and kind of an entrepreneurship at, at, in general, really, that is more appealing to me and, and not just kind of limiting myself specifically to, to photography. And again, this goes back to the idea that not everyone functions the same way. We all find enjoyment in different things and challenges in different things. And um, so I, I love that, that we're highlighting that. But I have to mention while we're on the topic that for those of you listening in, you're going to want to check out Ben's work. He, he's talking about both his portrait and headshot work here. And you can see both if you go to his Instagram account. It's just Ben Markham, M-A-R-C-U-M photo. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes if you go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And uh, we'll, we'll put the links there along with any of the resources that we've referenced today. Speaking of, Ben, I'm curious if what 
one of the most impactful books that you've read is, whether this is a business book or self-help book or otherwise? You know, I, I, I've been doing a lot of the self-help and business books recently, actually, you know, probably in the past two years, I've been pouring through a lot of different stuff. You know, it's uh, a few of them have obscenities in the title, so I don't know how family friendly your podcast oh, is. Go, go to town, go to town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I, right now I'm in the, the middle of uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really outstanding and really kind of hitting home. I am a fan of Bob Proctor as well. And, you know, he talks a lot about the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Yes. Um, which is really fantastic. I have it on audiobook as well. So a lot of times when I'm editing, uh, I have that going in my ear. There's, you know, several right now. Uh, the Toilet Paper Entrepreneur is fantastic. <laughs> okay. Um, Three simple steps is, you know, I, you said one and I'm giving you a library. Well, so. I, I actually love this though. And, and, and you, I'm curious, you mentioned the last couple of years in particular, what was the motivation or the impetus to jump into these various books in the last couple of years in particular? So for the big chunk of my career, my uh, pre-photography, I was a theatrical sound designer and did that for about 20 years. And I, I really allowed myself to become to be identified by what I did mm. and so I I really kind of got lost in that you know for you know and I know that sounds a, a little bit owl huggy um, so coming out of that and trying to start my business and find my voice in photography I I needed to kind of find who where all my stuff was again sure. and you know so I you know, I, I think sometimes the universe, uh, you know, will put things in front of you and get you going on a path. Um, and I had a client one day and she and I were just talking about, you know, life and she recommended a couple books. And so I started digging into those and then that just spiraled, you know, and it's, it's been useful since then. So, but it, yeah, it was just kind of serendipity more than anything else. But I think it, this speaks to the significance of maintaining a, a broad perspective. You know, I've I've um, both had personal experience with someone very very close to me, uh, as well as somebody. If if I mention their name, many would probably recognize. I'm sure you would have been um, in the in the photography industry. Two people who, in a sense. Uh, were or are at the top of their game in their fields in their industries, and they they both had such a narrow perspective and a very limited, almost a limited vocabulary in a sense that if you took them or, or took them in conversation outside of what they were familiar with and comfortable with, uh, it, it, they almost became a different person. They, they froze, if you will. And that really made a big impact on me. And I've tried to to maintain, I mean, you know, we can only take in so much information as human beings and, and handle so much and, and actually keep it somewhat organized in our brains. But maintaining a broad perspective, i.e. actually taking in information from a wide variety of sources, not only I think is it good for personal growth, but it can, it can influence our perspective as photographers, as artists as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, you know, I, I find now that the, the more, when I worked in the theater world, I talked about theater and I talked to theater people and, you know, my, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, 
I was very fortunate to do theater at the the big theater in my town at, at Actors Theater of Louisville. And by the time I left it, I didn't know anybody in town anymore. Mm. You know, so it's having all those out, cutting myself off from all of those outside influences affected a lot. So I, yeah, I, that's my long winded version of agreeing with you. (laughs) No, that's great. And I appreciate you sharing those books too. And we'll make sure to link to those in the show notes. Again, for those of you listening in, that's a wealth of information. If you go to bocapodcast.com, we do keep both the, the links, of course, to the, to the websites and social media, the various guests that we have coming on the podcast, but also the various resources that we discuss during the podcast episodes. Make sure that you take a look at those. Uh, I'm curious, Ben, from your experience as a business owner, and by the way, how long have you been a photographer at this point? Uh, it's like six or seven years at this point. It all kind of blurs. <laughs> no, I get it. But okay, so we'll say seven years in. What is one of the most important lessons that you've learned or, or kind of put it a different way if you had 15 seconds to give a fellow photographer or even an up-and-coming photographer a piece of advice what would that advice be get out and talk to people and get your work seen I just posting on facebook and instagram and twitter uh, can be great for the ego but it's not always great for the bottom line i mean people aren't booking it's the modern day equivalent of hanging a shingle outside your door and hoping somebody shows up yeah, so I'm I'm kind of torn on this, and I'd like to get dig into it a little bit more and get your perspective. Uh, first of all, I just got back from from WPPI, and it's the, certainly the lowest attendance that I've seen in the last 15 years or so that I've been attending. And um, you know, one of the things that it's a hunch, certainly I don't know this um, definitely, but one of the things that I that, that I wonder if if it's affected the attendance is the tendency that photographers, as you're alluding, alluding to, have these days to just go with what's convenient, which is to you know type on their phone or type on their, their laptop or their desktop and not actually make the effort to get out and connect with other photographers. I mean, that WPPI used to be this massive reunion every year, you know, that, that at least they claim to be 16, 18,000 photographers coming from literally all over the world, massive, massive trade show parties, you know, every night. I mean, it was just a really incredible event to go to. And it is, it, it almost doesn't look even close to the same at this point. And I wonder if some of that plays into it. But I just had a conversation. In fact, I've, I've referenced um, this on the podcast probably multiple times at this point with a photographer recently in my market who actually a couple of photographers who are booking almost exclusively as a result of their work on social media. So I'm, I'm torn because I'm seeing the benefits of social media and how that's actually helping build businesses in some cases exclusively. Uh, but then I also see photographers... Uh, having, you know, whether they claim that they're introverted and they have a hard time connecting with people uh, or whatever the reasoning might be there, they tend to avoid actually getting together in person these days, it seems. What, where do you think the, the so-called balance is? I think everything plays together. You know, it's, I, I'm not saying that social media, you know, isn't important. I think it's a very important. It's a, it's the most cost effective way to kind of stay, top of mind and, you know, in front of your audience. But I, I think in a lot of ways, not having human interaction and, and people buy from who they know. So it's, if you can get on social media, if you have the, the skill and the talent to make people feel like they know you on social, I think you're going to be more apt to, to book, hmm. you know, but it's, I think there has to be that balancing act and not just with other photographers. It's, I think it's gotta be, you know, with other business owners and yes. 
you know, groups. Like I've, I've just set a meeting uh, with a framer for this uh, for this week to to do some business to business you know work. So you know, trying to do something symbiotic with them. So it's definitely be out on social and get stuff out there, but don't get lost in it either. You know, it's it's really easy easy for us too, and I'm guilty of this uh, to fall into the social media trap and you know see other photographers posting things and it looks fantastic and it it looks like they're booking like crazy mm. and at the end of the day none of us show you when we have photos that look like garbage <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah so it's it's easy to fall into a trap there and then to get into your own head and um you know and i'm i'm guilty i'm not you know i i do it and catch myself and you know have to be like get outside there's air out there go yeah. enjoy it yeah, no, a hundred percent. And, and certainly, and you know, that you bring up an interesting point, these conversations that we have here on the podcast, I know that our listeners, especially the regular listeners hear me harping on particular issues, whether it's connection with uh, actually getting out and connecting with people, um, the significance of course, of efficiency and workflow and, and some of these other topics, not, not really meant to be preachy or to suggest that, that we don't, or I don't struggle with these things personally. I think they're good points of conversation. I've been in business long enough and been in the industry long enough now to see what works and what doesn't, what hurts, um, and, and what actually benefits photographers. And, um, so certainly when, when we're discussing these, these various topics, it's not to suggest that we all have it figured out, uh, but more to emphasize the significance of the particular topic. And I appreciate your transparency there, Ben. Um, sure. kind of going a different direction too. You're as a portrait photographer, and of course, we're going to talk about headshots specifically today. Is there a go-to piece of gear that's just a favorite of yours, or maybe maybe there are two or three pieces in particular? What comes to mind? Uh, you know, obviously, you know my my camera, uh, and I'm a I'm a Nikon guy. Primary is the D850 right now, yeah. and I, all my headshots uh, I shoot with a seventy to seventy to two hundred. You know, I'm also a, a tethered shooter when I'm shooting headshots, okay. so uh, using a lot of tether tool stuff going into Capture One. Yep. You know, lighting wise, I'm all pulsy buff uh, alien bees. You know, I haven't haven't spent a fortune on my lighting, and the alien bees are doing a phenomenal job for me. I I really try to keep it simple. You know, after a a long theatrical career of using really complicated gear setups, mm. I'm really kind of enjoying just being like, I've got these few things, and I'm cool. I can I can do what I need to do. That's great. You know, I, I was just having a conversation with another photographer who was emphasizing this this very thing, um, Matt Odom, we just had on the podcast, and he is a, a commercial portrait photographer. And he was talking about, I mean, if you actually go to his Instagram, you're seeing these one light setups pretty consistently. And um, I, I never quite heard a photographer paint this picture before, but he was speaking to the significance when, when creating the best experience possible for his commercial clients, the significance of the experience as it related to efficiency. Mm -hmm. Because you know, I, I think a lot of photographers, whether it's in their workflow or even their gear, maybe subconsciously kind of think that the, the more complicated the, the workflow, the cooler the photographer they are. And the reality is, um, it not only does it complicate your life, but it can potentially complicate the life of the the clients involved. So I, I like the the simplistic or kind of minimalistic, if you will, approach to photography. But you mentioned the seventy to two hundred lens, and I'm I'm curious, and maybe this is something you're going to touch on a little bit later as well. But do you do you ever feel like you're distant, physically disconnected, if you will, because of that focal length from your client in such a way that it it affects your ability to be able to connect with them personally? 
No, I mean, when I'm shooting headshots, you know, I'm less than six feet away okay. from them. Okay. You know, I, I am all up in their Kool-Aid. You know, eventually I do want to pick up the 105, the micro. I just haven't yet, but I'm, I'm pretty close to them. I, I'm, I'm close enough that I can, you know, great. And I have long arms, but I can reach out and touch them. So, you know, I actually sometimes worry the other way that they worry that we're, we're a little bit too close, but I've got a lot of lights separating the, the two of us. So they're fine. <laughs> oh, great. Okay. Well, and let's, let's kind of delve into this topic of headshots. Um, first of all, I'm just, I'd love to kind of hear a little bit of the backstory. What, what drew you to headshots specifically and what is it that, that encourages you to motivate you to continue to photograph them now? So, you know, as I've said uh, a couple times, I come from the theater world. And when I left that world, I was actually building websites for, for people and I needed some stock photography and some shots of a client for a website. So I decided to pick up a camera. You know, I'd taken a basic photography class in high school back in 95, 96, which was really more about using a dark room than it was actually, you know, how to be a photographer. But my brain went, how hard can it be? It, it's head and shoulders. It's a piece of cake. And then I did it and the results weren't good. Mm. Um, so, you know, but I, it kind of triggered at that point. It's like, I've got this theater background and I, I still kind of want to keep my toe in that world. So I need to, I want to do headshots and kind of go with that. And, you know, uh, and I think I literally Googled something like how to take better headshots. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. And I stumbled across Peter Hurley and awesome. his jawline video. And I was like, well, this cat seems like he knows what he's talking about. Let's yeah. follow him. Uh, ended up signing up with the headshot crew and going through all of that. And uh, I'm now a mentor there and get to hang out with those kids. So cheap plug for the day, go sign up for the headshot crew. You'll take better headshots. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes too. Awesome. Um, so I, that was really kind of how it got started. And I, I didn't realize at that point um, how much of my work would become business clients as opposed to actor clients. And I, I'd say at this point, it's probably about 50, 50, okay. but that's really how it started. It was, you know, just kind of carry over from my old life. And when, when it comes to photographing studio portraiture, um, as you alluded to earlier, a combination of, of portraiture and, and headshots as well, what is it about that particular genre that, that is so compelling to you? Why not go shoot weddings or why not go shoot lifestyle portraits or in any other genre for that matter? Why specifically the style of portraiture? I try, you know, I, I think I did what all of us do when we first start. And, you know, I tried a million things. Um, you know, I did shoot some weddings and, you know, I tried shooting families in the park and all that jazz um, at the, the time when I was starting, there was a really phenomenal photography and fashion scene here in Louisville. Uh, a lot of guys putting out magnificent work. And I, so I tried my hand at that. But none of it like was satisfying to me. Like I would sit down to edit at the end of the day or you know, a week or whatever. And I would be editing it and just being like, but why? Like this, mm. it's not talking to my soul. Yeah. And, then I would get people in for headshot work and I'd work with them. And it's, you know, I get people coming in going, uh, you know, I'm not photogenic. You're never going to get a good photo of me. And uh. then I'd get to work with them and 
and it, I actually got to work with them. It wasn't just, okay, you know, we're in a, you know, we're at a wedding and I'm doing, you know, run and gun. Um, so I got to get connection with them and then I got to capture them instead of an idea of them. And then they saw my screen and people started going, you know, Oh, that, that looks like me. I look good. I, how did you get a, a good picture of me? Mm. And so that started having an emotional impact on me. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm, I'm making a difference in people's lives. So, and that's kind of where it all went down the headshot world, you know, and I had a part of it was to make a dollar as well. You know, I'm in business, but sure. it's, I could have just as easily gone and done weddings and, you know, started up my career making more dollars, but it just, it didn't speak to me. I, I can imagine I'm, I'm literally scrolling through your, your Instagram feed here as, as you're talking and, and looking at the, the variety of work and, and there's quite a wide variety. And again, for those of you listening and you're going to want to check it out, it's on Instagram, it's Ben Markham photo, and we'll link to that in the show notes. But um, there's, there's gotta be something really very intimate about being one-on-one, or maybe if you have a couple of people in there, one that's there as an assistant or, or whatever the case, but you're ultimately focusing on an individual and talking with them. I know you're going to share a bit of your process here in just a bit, but engaging with them and then ultimately trying to pull personality out or encourage, kind of massage that personality out a little bit for the sake of the camera and and capturing it then in such a way that that person reacts I mean, it, it seems like a very intimate interaction, and as you were alluding to, a very fulfilling one that you help this individual feel better. If you're, you know, shooting a wedding, you've got hundreds of people crowding around you, and you're just trying to grab a shot. It, it's a different experience, and certainly a different type of fulfillment. But this, this just seems extremely compelling. Well, thank you, and thank you, and it, it you know, it is. <laughs> you know, it's 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 fun to 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 get that relationship with people, you know, and it's, even if I've only got them for, for 30 minutes or an hour or whatever, I, I get to, I get to have a relationship with people. And yeah. I think it comes through in the work and I think it makes it more interesting work and more useful to them. You know, is I, I think portraits and headshots and all that I, I call it a shared experience where the person that I'm photographing and I, we're going to share an experience together. That's going to imprint on both of us and they're going to get their image and, you know, portrait or print or what have you. And so every time they see that from then on, they're going to have a different experience, you know, when they remember and then are hopefully proud of themselves or, or like themselves or whatever. But then when other people see that image again with them, they get another shared experience and it's, you know, all, it's all those experiences down the road that, you know, really I- intrigue and excite me about doing this. Well, I, I find it quite wonderful. Actually, I, I just pulled up a, a post of yours from July 16th and it actually shows you in the frame photographing a, a portrait subject or portrait client. And uh, you actually say in this very post, uh, almost the same thing you just said, which is portraits in my studio is all about experience. Professional makeup artists are there and we help you with styling, dot, dot, dot. And we laugh. You end up with an exciting day you will never forget and stunning portraits to love the rest of your life. And uh, it seems that sum it up really beautifully. But speaking of, of copy that's compelling, 
on your website, um, this caught my attention. It says, it happens in an instant. Someone sees your face for the first time and the first impression is set and you can never change it. I create headshots for actors and business professionals who value that impression and what their image says about their brand. I'm excited to create headshots with you that show you as you are. And, um, you know, initially, internally, anyway, for me, I kind of framed this as a brand position, but it seems actually a bit more like a mission statement. And I love the significance here of helping someone create an impactful first impression. What led you to this? I'm going to call it a mission for now, but what led you to this mission? Since I started doing it and started learning how to, you know, the psychology of photography, you know, it's it's been there. I couldn't put the words to it before. So another book that I read and was really great, it's called Story Brand uh, by yes. Donald Miller. Oh my goodness, yeah. And um, and I, I liked his tact on it. And so after, you know, reading that, I was like, no, 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 I, I need to actually tell people, you know, what I, and how I'm going to help them, you know, how I get the, if you all read the book, this will make sense, how I get to be their Obi-Wan. Yes. So I mean, that really kind of led me to the mission statement or the the branding statement of it. Well, and of course, with, with headshots, I mean, you're, you're talking about whether it is a, an individual who has their headshot on a particular website in the business world, or I'm thinking again about actors more specifically or actresses, that, that first impression. I, I've never been a part of that world, so I don't know all the intricate inner workings of that world, but I can imagine that, that having a, an image that makes a positive first impression, hopefully because there's some type of, of a personal connection that's experienced through the eyes of that individual in the portrait, um, I, I can imagine how significant that is, to say the least. And actually, you said that in that, that last sentence, you said, I'm excited to create headshots with you that show you as you are. So I have a follow-up question, which is, how effectively can you actually really know someone through a portrait? Because you, you've got an, this individual who is dressed up and kind of prepped internally and well and externally both for this occasion, this headshot, this portrait session at your studio. What percent of that portrait is the real person coming through and kind of what percent is, is that this, this uh, persona that the individual wants to portray and what percentage of it is uh, the person that you're kind of helping pull out of that image? It depends on the photographer. Okay. I, so I'm, I'm going to put it on us as the, the professionals back there because people don't know what they look like in front of a camera. And that's where all of the, I'm not photogenic and you're never going to get a good photo of me comes from. So it's my job to make them forget about that camera for a second or a millisecond. Yeah. And in that moment where I get them and, you know, we're, we're multifaceted beings, you know, so when I'm working with somebody in a headshot session, actor or professional, I'm trying to pull a range of who they are out of them you know it's people laugh people are serious people you know it's there's a there's a range of emotion in there and i have to guide them through and i have to adjust how i talk to them what i'm saying to them to pull those out and then make them forget that i'm pointing you know a piece of metal and glass at them <laughs> so it, you know and that all comes to it comes from talking to them and actually getting to know, you know, getting to know something about them. I, I ask questions the entire time, but I'm also feeling them out from the minute they walk in my door, 
you know, or if they call me beforehand, I'm doing it on the phone, you know, where I need to start and how I need to kind of guide them through to get them out of it. So the, to answer the original question, you know, it's most of the time, everybody, I will get some images of them there. There's always going to be some people that you don't connect with, or you can't connect, you know, we're, we're not all meant for everybody, you know, sure. uh, you know, and some people will only, you know, do the, the fake cheesy smile or the look how cool I am, you know, fake look, um, no matter what you do. Um, I have asked them to leave the studio before actually. Wow. So yeah. Well, is there, is there something, is there a resource or a series of resources that you have learn from other books or individuals or workshops or otherwise that have enabled you to learn how to engage with somebody more effectively to be able to kind of pull some of that personality out? Because I know I alluded to this earlier, it's been a point of conversation quite frequently on the podcast. Uh, photographers in many cases will say, I'm, I'm an introvert and you know I'm not comfortable engaging with someone else or meeting somebody new or being in crowds of people. And naturally, as photographers, if we're going to engage with another individual or a group of individuals, uh, we sh- we should very proactively be working on developing those people skills. It, would you recommend any particular resource in that regard? I mean, again, I'll point to the headshot crew okay. on that. You know, there's a, a you know, there's Peter is certainly there as a resource, and there are a host of mentors and associates uh, who are doing this regularly uh, and and check out Peter's book. It's, you know, there's a lot of great stuff in there. However, on the other side of that, and I've seen this a lot, um, not just from Headshot Crew, but in other places where photographers will go, oh, well, you know, other photographers doing this. So I have to put on that persona Mm. to to get these things. And it's like, I, I don't need to be Peter Hurley. He's got it under control. Like he's doing a really good job of being Peter. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have to be Ben Markham. I have to be a human. And that that's the trick of it. It's like, I have to be me in the room and be a human with that other human in there. Uh, I think if we're going to be portrait photographers, you know, I'm, I'm not the most extroverted human being, you know, I'm really happy to be in bed by, you know, nine o'clock with the cats and stuff. That's cool. <laughs> but to, to create portraits with people, we, you know, for lack of better term, we got to get over ourselves. Yes. It's like we're, we're there to have human connection. Yeah. You know, anybody out there can get a a good camera and stand somebody in front of it and do some shallow depth of field and tell somebody to smile. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to do. Mm -hmm. The hard part of what we do is getting connection and get out there and do it. And you get back. I'm a better coach today than I was last week than I was the week before that. So it's, it's doing, you know, start taking photos. Uh, it's, we could just kind of sum up, um, much of what I think is important just in business and and much of life for that matter with it's doing, um, because I, and I'll certainly speak from personal experience again, kind of be the first to raise my hand there here and that it's easy to get stuck inside my head. I know as photographers and artist types, as, as much conversation as I've heard around this, it's easy to get stuck in our heads and then not actually follow through not actually do. And it's the people that are willing to, put themselves out there and do to take a risk to, to kind of push beyond their, their comfort zone, if you will, 
and actually do that many times I think we'll see at least the beginnings of success and we'd have to be willing to, to take that shot. I think it's important. You mentioned Peter's book. We'll link to this in the, in the show notes, the headshot, the secrets to creating amazing headshot portraits. And then of course, to the headshot crew as well. Again, we'll link to these resources in the show notes, but let's make this even a little bit more tangible, more practical, pragmatic for those listening in. What are in your mind, from your perspective, the most important elements of a really great headshot? It's connection. Like there, there has to be for, for me, for a, a headshot to leave my studio and to go into somebody's proofing gallery, the image has to have connection. You know, I want my shots to, to feel like you could be sitting across the table, having a conversation mm. with that person. You know, I, I use the term in some of my actor marketing, stop the scroll. You know, it's like, I, I know a lot of casting directors are, you know, now it's all on screen, but they have just screens and screens and screens of headshots for work. And so they're scrolling through pretty quick. Interesting. So, you know, I, if I like to be able, I want my shots to stop that scroll. Yeah. For, you know, if you, if we stop it, we've got a better chance of it, at least getting your toe in the door. So it, there has to be connection. The person has to look confident. You know, nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to hire somebody, whether it's, you know, business or acting who looks like they're not going to get the job done. You know, actually story here, uh, a couple of years ago, I was looking to hire a marketing firm to help me out a little bit. I'm not the best marketer on the planet. And I was looking at different companies' websites and I opened one company's page and I scrolled down and there were images of all of the people who run this marketing business and they're all in suits who and look very uncomfortable and I have no problem. <laughs> but like they all look like freaked out. Yeah. You know, and I'm going, okay, well, if you can't represent yourself better than that, what are you gonna do for me? Yeah. And so they didn't, they didn't even get a phone call from me. So it's that confidence is, is hugely important. Um, and you got to feel like a human being in there. And it's, you know, in, in the theater world and the acting world and whatever, like you're going to be in a room with other artists for 16 to 20 hours a day. And so they want to know from being able to look at a shot of you, at least have an idea you know, if you're going to be somebody they can hang out with and, you know, if you look like a prick in the photo, nobody wants to work with you. Right. You know, so it's, it's got to encompass all of those things. Yeah. I think about that, that kind of stereotypical, um, corporate headshot and, uh, uncomfortable, maybe lack of confidence. You may see some of those things. The, the other thing that comes to mind just very simply is somebody who's very uptight. They don't, they don't feel relatable or accessible. And again, that's the last thing that you want if you're trying to connect with a potential client. So, you know, connection here is going to drive the ability to be able to create portraits that not only are compelling, that stop you, that that grab your attention, that stop the scroll. I love the way that you describe that, but that enable or at least begin the the process of enabling you to connect with that person. And uh, so that's really compelling. We, I mentioned some resources, um, Ben also mentioned some resources earlier that, that you can refer to for the sake of learning how to better connect with people. You know, and I have to go ahead and throw this out here. This is a book that's come up a number of times on the podcast, but there's a, a classic called How to Win Friends and Influence People. If we're just looking at basic human psychology and the way that, that people respond 
to you or respond most effectively to you just as a human being before you even get into photography. But then, of course, certainly as a photographer, uh, that is a great resource just to learn how to more effectively engage with people. And we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes as well. Um, starts with connection, though. Um, do you have w- what's another compelling element of a good or an important element, I should say, of, of a compelling headshot? I, I went through, you know, a couple there, you know, there's connection and then, you know, looking like a human being and it's what it's not. Let me loop around at it that yeah. way. And there's a, you know, a big debate about this. It's, you know, does it need to be a, you know, shallow depth of field city backdrop? Does it need to be a solid background? Does it need to be and at the end of the day with that? It doesn't matter. Hmm. Like, at, at all like quite frankly if somebody is looking at the background you didn't do your job interesting <laughs> so, interesting and i get that question a lot from people so it's you know make make good shots of the human you know and capture the human so and what is the significance just to, to push back a little bit here because i'm curious to your take on this i mean I'm, I'm scrolling through looking at your headshots your portrait work and and, and again it's done in studio at least most of the time what is the significance of an environmental portrait? Like, where does that play a role? Where can it actually um, help? Where can it be of value to the person being photographed? I think it depends on their branding and and how they're doing uh, a lot of that. So, uh, on my personal Facebook page, which is really just an extension of my business page anymore, you know, it's the photo there is a po- photo of me standing in a doorway of my studio laughing. Somebody actually cracked me up, which was outstanding. Yeah, but it shows a difference. You know, I have my headshot, and which I use on a lot of social media and on the website. But it's nice to be able to show a different side and, and me in my element. You know, as it was done here in my studio, like it wouldn't have made any sense for me to go stand in the middle of a street and, you know, with my arms crossed because it, it, it doesn't speak to who I am. So but that comes again with getting to know your client and what they need and how they want to represent right. Um you know, there's another great photographer out there, uh, John D'Amato in New York, who does beautiful, uh, you know, lifestyle environmental images for businesses and for that so that they have things to fill out their Instagram and ah. their social. So it's a different way of doing it. And, you know, you can really make the case that clients need both, depending. You know, I certainly just get clients to go, I just need something for LinkedIn. But then I get other clients who go, I want to be able to fill out my Instagram content. Yeah, almost like a, a branding photographer. That's a phrase that you hear a little bit more these days. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Well, I, I know that this is a, a really loaded conversation that we just kind of barely scratched the surface of, but um, I like that you've shared a, n- a number of resources, the Headshot Crew in particular, and of course, we're going to link to that in the show notes. For those of you listening in who want to take this steps further uh, to get into more details, to learn more about how to take a compelling headshot, make sure that you check out the, the show notes. Just go to Boca, B-O-K-E-H, podcast.com, and we'll link to the resources that we discussed today. Ben, will you just share one more time with our listeners? I know that we mentioned it a couple of times now, but where they can find both your website and, and social media as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, my headshot website is just benmarkham.com. Uh, you can find my portrait website at benmarkhamportraits.com. I kept it simple so I could remember it. And then my Instagram is at benmarkhamphoto and Facebook is benmarkhamphotography. 
Perfect. <laughs> you think, yeah. Well, we'll we'll verify that and we'll make sure to put those links in the show notes. But um, thank you again for just making time to to have a conversation and to share your insight into headshots with the Boca Podcast listeners. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Dot com.